Hey friend, thanks so much for meeting me here at Frothy Monkey in beautiful downtown Franklin, Tennessee. It's a great place to get a good cup of joe and share together in some good conversation. Anyway, be looking at the menu. I know you're new here. Decide what you want. Text it to me. I'm going to go ahead and get in line and place our order. Hey, you're listening to Guat Rocks, God, the world, and other things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, always advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. The title of this podcast series is Plain Revelation. This is episode 87, To Whom It May Concern, Revelation chapter 2, The Letter to Ephesus. My best friend, stepson, was incarcerated for a violent act committed during a drug deal. Long story short, he went all the way from a minimum security prison with no walls, no fences, but because of bad behavior, ended up in isolation 23 out of 24 hours a day. My best friend was able to finally go and visit his stepson when he met with him, and I've changed the name to protect the guilty. He told him, Donnie, you had to work hard to get where you are. The stepson called him by name and said, what are you talking about? He said, you had to work real hard to get where you are. And he said, called him by name. I don't understand what you're saying. And my best friend, he showed me, he lifted up his hand and he held it high in the air as a mark. And he said, you were up here. And he said, now you're way down here. He said, you had to work hard to do that. And this letter to the church at Ephesus is the letter to a church that worked hard to be bad. I want you to know right up front that to follow Jesus is not hard. It's easy. He has given us the power of his Holy Spirit and his love and his word to guide us. For us to end up in a position as this church at Ephesus was, was because of hard work. It's not the kind of hard work that Jesus wants to see from us. Listen to what the Lord has to say about the church of Ephesus. First of all, in background, Ephesus was the capital city of Asia Minor which is present-day modern western Turkey, that borders the Adriatic Sea. Apostle John was one of its first leaders. Ephesus sat at the crossroads of trade, wealth, pagan worship, and culture. It was an affluent, elite, and developed cosmopolitan city that exercised massive influence in every way across the region. I'll have additional information about Ephesus in the show notes. Starting in chapter 2, verse 1, he writes, Write to the angel of the church in Ephesus, Thus says the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, and your endurance, and that you cannot tolerate evil people. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. I know that you have persevered and endured hardships for the sake of my name, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Yet you do have this. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Jesus said to the angel of the church of Ephesus, the word angel here means messenger. It's not just the divine messengers of God. It also can stand for those who are God's messengers on earth. And in this context, it is the Christian pastor. 
And so what God says to the pastors, he says to the churches. The church is an extension of the pastor. If it is not, one or the other will depart. The use of the word you here is in the singular form, and it's that case in all of the letters. So God is communicating to his local messenger of the local church. Then by the pastoral proxy, the message is to all the believers in that local congregation. Notice that the present status says, that by all external evaluations, that this just might be the perfect church. It might be the flagship church. They're tough. They're hardworking. They're intolerant of evil. They're strong. They're tireless. And they're willing to endure hardship for the cause of Christ. You'd say to yourself, wow, Lord, this is a great church. So where's the beef? But here's the sin, the offense of the church of Ephesus. Jesus says that you've abandoned the love you had at first. That word abandon means to cause a person or persons to leave a particular location. And what it literally means is it's a single discreet action that occurred in the past that the church at Ephesus abandoned love. They left love standing at the train station. You've got to go back where love begins. It's God's love, the compassionate love towards humans. It's a love that you and I can exhibit towards God and towards other people. It's the quality of a warm regard for an interest in another. It's esteem, affection. It's love and without limitations. So what's the problem? GotQuestions.org summarizes it this way. The believers at Ephesus, struggling beneath the weight of a godless and immoral culture, had maintained the letter of the law but had lost the spirit of the law. So Jesus commended them for their hard work, their perseverance, the rejection of false teaching and hatred of sin, But he was grieved that they had become routine in their service for him rather than serve him with the passion they once had. Their actions were there, but their hearts were not. Their absence of heart violates the greatest commandment. In Mark 12, 30, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Friend, Christianity, following Christ, is all in or all out. There is no in-between. And for those of you who are Americans who know the song Hokey Pokey, there is no hokey pokey in God's kingdom of love. But what's the solution? The problem is they left love at the station. The train pulled out without the locomotive of power attached. The solution is found in verse 5. It's remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Here we read three steps that encompass the return to love for God and others in action. All three steps are commandments to be obeyed. God is not suggesting. He's commanding. Following Christ in love is a theocracy and not a democracy. God is the one who calls the shots, but it is from a loving, merciful, compassionate God who has your best interest at heart. He is not like an earthly father who is capable of ordering things from a selfish or a sadistic, abusive attitude. His plans for us, the Bible says, are made in love. And I quoted this verse just recently in one of the last podcasts. In Jeremiah 29, verse 11, but it keeps coming up, folks. This is the time. God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. So what are the commandments? Three commandments, but really the three commandments encompass one action of return to love for God and others, to people that Jesus died for. The first commandment, step number one, is remember. It means to recall information from memory, but without necessarily the implication that persons have actually forgotten what it is they were supposed to recall. It means, in a figurative sense here, it means to find one's thoughts again. 
or better yet, to see again in one's heart. Get back in touch with your heart. My friend, that's what Jesus is saying. But the question is, remember what? Jesus says, how far you have fallen. And that means to fall. It means to drop to another level. It's like that Donnie in prison. You had total freedom. Now you've been encapsulated for 23 hours a day. You're held in prison. By what? You've fallen. You've stepped away from love and you're headed in the wrong direction. It's clear from its form also that the fall had in fact occurred. It is a fact. It's a done deal with lasting effects. But good news in Jesus's eyes, through what Jesus is saying, it's not irreversible. And that's important to note here. It does not have to be a permanent cataclysmic fall. To fall out of love with God and the people he created is a recoverable sin. That's good news for all of us. All the rudimentary actions of a Christian with no heart. We see it today in the corporate approach to ministry that has swept the churches in America, where the chief overseer of the congregation is lauded for the strong attributes of a successful CEO. But yet, they've gutted the church in America of its compassionate love that is witnessed by its absent, tangible manifestations. The pastor of God is to be an under-shepherd of the Good Shepherd Jesus Christ, one who feeds, serves, protects, and leads his flock. In the midst of the solemn evaluation, Christ sees one glimmer of love in action. In Revelation 2.6, he says, Yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. In verse 2, we see there, it says that their love in action was, You cannot bear evil men, but you have tested those who call themselves apostles, but are not, and found them to be false. And this testing and this calling out of these evil men that claim to be apostles is an act of love because it protects the flock of Christ. They took a stand against these self-appointed key leaders who were perhaps itinerant missionaries of these Nicolaitans who posed as equal to or even superior to the original apostles. Both Jesus and the apostle Paul had foretold about the coming wolves in sheep's clothing. The church at Ephesus shared in Jesus' hate for these heretics and publicly called them out as false. So commandment number one, remember. Commandment number two, repent. Repent, it's a commandment. It means to change one's way of life as the result of a complete change of thought and attitude with regard to sin and righteousness. To repent, to have a change of heart, to turn from one's sin. And it's total change, both in thought and attitude and behavior, with respect to how one should both think and act. So what God is looking for is not just lip service, but leg service, taking action, and demonstrating in clear and tangible ways that we have returned to our first love to God and love for people. So commandment number three, do the works you did at first. Again, it's a commandment. So commandment number one is to remember from where you've fallen. Remember where you used to be. The second thing is to repent and to return to that proper way of thinking, to a, a compassionate heart, one that loves God and loves people. And the third thing is to do the works you did at first. Not works for salvation, but works that demonstrate clear and tangible aspects of God's love to humanity. What does that look like in general? Every story is different for the one who comes to Christ as Savior and Lord. I hope that you have fond memories of how your love for Christ and people manifested itself in clear and tangible ways in the early days of your salvation. And make a note, God is not asking for something peculiar or out of the ordinary. Just get back to where you once belonged. Perhaps now as you evaluate your history, you may not be able to point out the exact thing that tipped the scale that led you on the path away from the love you had at first. The important thing is to come to your senses. 
Remember where you used to be in your love relationship with God and people when you first met Jesus. Make a volitional decision to stop walking away from love. Turn and run back to the love you left behind as soon as possible. Now, come to your senses. Re-engage your heart. Decide to change your mind and turn around and commit to love people and love God like you should. Jesus does not give us the full dossier on the pastor and the people at Ephesus on what they looked like in their manifestation of new love when it was new, but the Apostle Paul gives us a good overview of what first love looks like. Listen to the love dossier the Apostle Paul gives us in his letter to the church in Rome. Romans 12, verses 9 through 21. Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest what is evil. Cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. Do not lack diligence in zeal. Be fervent in the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, Vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. This first point of evaluation of Jesus Christ's leader and a church is a hard-hitting, transparent illumination of a sin that can be hidden under the mechanics of Christianity. By mechanics, I mean the routine, basic methods, procedures, techniques, and details of the appearance of following Christ. But, the situation is actually the picture of a train that has been derailed by the loss of the locomotive power that drives it. All cars, caboose, but no locomotive power. Friend, if ever the world needed sincere Christians who are crazy in love with their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the people He died to save, that live out that love in clear and tangible ways, it's now. Dear friend, I, I encourage you, I challenge you, give some deep thought and reflection on how Jesus is evaluating you now. A bigger question is this, do you ever remember a time of first love? When you first came to Jesus, that was manifested by a deep, sincere devotion and service to Jesus and to people that he loves. If there was never that first manifestation of the love of God in your life, I wanna ask you a serious question. Do you really know him? The right answer means everything. And with that, I bid you peace.